0: This is Atlanta Legacy Podcast, brought to you by Whitetail Properties Real Estate. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your weekly resource for habitat
1: management, wildlife management, and recreational real estate. We hope you guys enjoy the show. <laughs> All right, guys, we're back, rolling down the road, coming at you with another podcast, Land and Legacy
0: podcast. Adam, how are you doing today? I'm good. You don't sound good. My <laughs> gosh, don't sound I'll, too disappointed. See, what am I supposed to? What am I supposed to say? Yeehaw! Uh, you could say, I, I always laugh. If I'm being honest, I always laugh because I'm like, you know, 600 podcasts by now. And we kick it off. It's like, welcome back, Land and Legacy podcast. As if they don't know by now they're on the Land and Legacy channel. Well, it could maybe maybe just filtered in and snuck in there somehow. I they're don't know. They're a new know. client. Or they're a new, a new listener. Yeah. Soon to be client. Who knows? Welcome, yeah, welcome. guys. Appreciate, yeah, so appreciate so you being here. Headed down the road once again looking at fields of corn and fields of hay and seeds of non-natives. Yep. Yep. We're so. just... Cover, covering some ground, but um, I wanna sh- I'm gonna jump in right now and I'm gonna say oh boy. congrats to you landowners who are seeing Polts oh, yeah. this spring and summer. Today's the, like the a first lot. day of summer. Seems like we're getting pictures from clients. Um Paul <laughs> Polly G, look we'll yeah. Polly G from eastern Missouri. He is uh he's on top of the world. He should uh, be. The He's man has gotten some. so many videos of hens with poults, um, and, and i got to share this story. Oh, man, this is a good one. Right. I, I don't I'm even listening. know if I've told you this. Now I'll get excited for you. Boy, you're
1: pumping. You got excited. You got hot. Right I there. got
0: hot. I'm redlining it. All right. I'm getting excited because this client that I work with, and I've been to a site multiple times now, um, this is a guy who bought a farm. And jumped, didn't even, I mean, uh, this landowner is not been, he didn't grow up hardcore bow hunting and growing up managing a farm. But when he got in it, he didn't even, he skipped the kiddie pool and he went neck deep. There was do, no waiting in,
1: just dove in, deep Drove in. in
0: the deep end and was like engulfed. Yep. And so we are, I mean, hardcore managing this guy's farm. He's enrolled in Equip contracts. And and glade oh, so restoration. He, he
1: dove in and he started swimming. He didn't start just doggy paddling yeah, either. And,
0: and 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 prescribed fire. And so we've got some br- mi- big scale TSI. Yep. And this is what's humorous to me. Um, I mean, I, I the th- this just you can't even make this stuff up. Uh, but well, before like, we like do it, that, like I want to remind everybody of the Onyx code. You and are all X. over the place today. I, I, I'm trying to hook them in. <laughs> okay, get it. get it back. They're on the edge of their seat. And <laughs> get it back. I'm going to hit them with one. <laughs> on X Legacy right. 20, right? Yes. Legacy 20 for discount on Onyx. If you don't have it, get it. Amazing app. Amazing tools, not just for satellite images, but also as we're getting ready for deer season, check out the weather feature of that app. Mm-hmm. You can see barometric pressure, both current and and future trends for the next several hours to see if the barometer is rising or falling, the current weather, the forecast. It's awesome. So there you go, Legacy 20. So, Paul. Back to Paul. Here we go. Back to Paul. That was perfect. It was like I'm watching TV. I'm watching YouTube channel. It's getting good. And you just got interrupted by a, by an ad. <laughs>
1: Everyone's I, like, so we're, everyone's looking on the on their uh, their player for like the what skip and, and it's yeah. counting down five, no, no four, skip button three, on this two, one. one. Yeah, so uh,
0: that's why I did it uh, quick, where they turned me off. And so anyway,
1: if are still con- here, we sent in a contract <laughs> crew.
0: Uh, we sent in a contract crew who hammered, and I'm talking if you go back in historical image imagery of this property. In the early '90s, some man rolled in and said, "The heck with you! I don't need this timber, huh?" And he cut pretty much everything but hickories. He created, oh wow, a hickory savanna. No, no kidding. And wow. so, what grew back?
1: I'm gonna guess a lot of oh hickory. Oh my!
0: And it's in a slightly east-north slope in, mm. in 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 this part where it's just like, uh-oh. And I mean we're talking mid story. What which would typically be mid story chairs. We're talking 8 4 to 8 inch DBH, okay? Dog hair thick th- across much of this place. L-
1: let me guess heavy shade, huh?
0: With Yeah, just just like dogwood, you know, redbud understory sassafras. Lots of hickories, lots of there was some a lot of oak too obviously, but yeah. um just just thick thick thick. Okay. And, and frankly, I just look at it, it's like, this is, this is how I look at a forest in, in the Ozarks, um, which is, you know, we're still in the forest, uh, or we're still in the Ozarks in this part of Missouri as yep. well. And I look at it and I say, if we let this grow for 50 years, at the end of 50 years we're going to have mediocre timber.
1: But and you're not gonna have a difference in the species composition either. It's gonna be the exact same composition. The trees are just gonna be slightly bigger and taller.
0: And if we pulled up and said, you know what? Let's instead of waiting fifty years, let's go in every ten years and TSI it and really try to manicure, manicure it, yeah. and make it wonderful and marvelous. And in fifty years, I'm still gonna have mediocre timber because it is mixed with glade. It uh. is eastern Missouri. <laughs> It is not going to grow a 75-foot-tall northern red oak like you would in Kentucky, veneer right. quality. Like, it is going to be mediocre or okay at best. Okay. So, and then you get over on this big west slope, and it's like, that. that is not – that's supposed to be woodland at, at the very at most closed canopy. Yeah, right. It might even be more savanna or glade. So – it's just like, okay, this is all just, you know, I hope you're okay with it, Paul. And he's like, I'm, I'm all in on awesome habitat. And it was like, well, we're going to cut this and cut it hard because instead of just, like, tapping the reset, we need to mash it. Call mm-hmm. in an airstrike. Broken arrow. We yeah. need some help. And so the TSI crew moved in and hammered, and then we burned it, and it hammered. And you know what? A lot of uh, some of the government uh, people came and saw it, thought it was cut too hard, and thought it was burned too too quickly, thought, because <gasps> it's going to hurt the timber.
1: Oh, good lordy! And and Dude, I'm just sorry, like, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. No but, but, wonder. But like, stop playing with kid gloves when when it when this when this needs to be a man's job. Like, yeah. bring in the heavy machinery, and I mean that. I don't actually mean bringing the heavy machine. I'm just saying sometimes you got to attack it, and sometimes you got to get after it. And as long as there can be the maintenance that's going to follow up and keep bases back and keep the ability to burn it and reduce that fuel load, if some trees die in the process, good. We got more sunlight to deal with.
0: Yeah, and and I told you know we we've had a good laugh because it's like they all want to gripe, but yet they're not griping when they drive by acres and acres and acres and acres of miles and miles and miles of closed canopy hardwoods unmanaged. Yes. Yeah. No nope, no nope, nope. not saying anything, but you start cutting timber and burning and trying to restore it, they're like, eh, "I don't know if that's really what's We're best." A little
1: aggressive here. Well, that's what I want. And that's why I think there there has to be a balance. I know you have another point to make with this conversation here, but I'm I'm going to bring it to what's relevant for our podcast topic today is we have like as we're doing this, you had to go to balance back with the landowner's goals and objectives for this farm. Sometimes, yes, you're going to be aggressive. And sometimes it's not going to follow this normal suit of um, walking in a light reduction and then come back and, and, and burn during uh, uh, you know this time frame to make sure we don't do any kind of damage. By golly, the fires that ripped across there years and years ago didn't care about whether it's doing damage or not. If you were there... And you couldn't handle the heat, you didn't make it. Yeah. And so, essentially, bringing some of that within reason back into the side of things. But that's what the landowner wants. He's not trying to produce future timber value here. He's trying to make this dynamite recreational property. And that's the goal. So that's that's the prescriptions, the parameters in which you're then making recommendations under.
0: That's right. It's like I, I'm 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 reaching my hand out and say we need to knock this wall down. We're doing a demo. Hand me a hammer, meaning hand me a sledgehammer. Yeah. They hand the me a ball pound? peen hammer and they're yeah. like, here you go. And I'm like, what am I gonna I do? I need with an that? eight
1: pound sledge, bro. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, um, I mean, <laughs> just like it, it's just humorous because it's yeah. like, you know, you're the ones with the keys to the. Some of these are the keys to the government cost share equip contracts or. Other contracts, and no wonder, no wonder we're in the shape we're in. Yeah, for sure. That's a whole other was a west face slope, with glade all around, Mm -hmm. and it was, you know, like a lot of black oak. Where it's like this is supposed to burn and burn hot. Yeah, and and so anyway, I say all that. So, Paul's been hammering and got all kinds of awesome work, and he's seen. I think now. There's a group now of three hens together, amalgamated, and they together. all have poults, It yep. appears there's like I don't know, over 14, I think, poults in this whole big group, multiple sizes.
1: Those videos are awesome because like you see the hen or two, and then the ground mm. is just moving behind
0: them. Yeah, and then there's also another hen with a handful of poults on the other side of the farm, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. like it, it's a couple hundred acres where it's just like. You know, there's four of them with poults and talking about the amount of butterflies, the amount of insects, the amount of birds you hear and all this thin timber stuff. Deer are starting to, you know, this was a long process of trying to convert this, but now there's some really nice bucks that are showing up on yeah. it. And it's just like, he's hammering. We're doing work. We don't, newsflash, time moves on and we're not getting any younger. So there's get th- out there and do the work.
1: Yeah, there's a couple landowners that I work with and, and sometimes, yeah, it's like, Boy, this is a big project. This is a big swing. Like, but but the the status of it and where we want to go and where we need to take it, what we need to turn it into. Like, we we got to put our big boy pants on. It's like you see it happen and I look at the client. I remember a conversation uh, with one out of Ohio. I was like, "Are you nervous?" He looks at me, and goes, "I don't know. Should I be nervous? Are you nervous?" I said, "I'm not nervous." He goes, "Well, then I'm not nervous." <laughs> <I> said, okay, <laughs> then let's go, baby. It yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, it, as long as like. You can mentally accept some change and know that hey, transformation is not overnight, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a process. Then, then let's enjoy the process, but just realize that it's not just snap of fingers, uh, bam, done, finished product. It's yeah. just that's not how this that this is going to work whatsoever. That's right. We're talking long-term,
0: long-term gains, and sometimes it takes big. Projects yeah. to make that happen. So, yeah, big, big, big projects are great. Projects. story for people, encouragement. Yeah. Um, and th- he's seeing great results. Oh, man. I
1: can't, can't wait to see that,
0: <laughs> continue seeing those those videos roll through, also. No doubt. I know. Watch them grow up. Mm hmm. Yep. So, anyway, um, we're going to be talking about maximizing property. And ultimately, maximizing is a word that gets used a lot in our consultations. Oh yeah, with conversations with clients, and, and I see it a lot. Like I want to maximize my property for deer. I want to maximize the habitat for this. I want to maximize my food plots. I want to maximize, maximize, maximize. I want to
1: maximize uh, turkey populations. I want to maximize uh, my timber value. I don't. I want to max out. You know what I can do on on uh, this property from a cattle or revenue standpoint.
0: Everything I do, I'm going to do a hundred percent.
1: And I think that's a that's a, that's a very good. Um, from a surface level, type goal, I like the energy behind it, but it's not—it's not achievable. Mm-hmm. You can't max out absolutely everything because something has to. Something's going to be sacrificed.
0: There's give and take. And for example, let's give an example of, uh, of of my farm. My farm has cows. It's got timber. And then we're also. Got a huge emphasis on wildlife. And so... Can
1: you do those three things really good and have a lot of overlap? Yes. But you can't maximize timber value and still have amazing uh, or or, or max out your your cattle and your wildlife potential.
0: If I took and said, you know what, I want to maximize the timber for a future harvest. I want to harvest it now, this year, and then I also want to... Do the TSI to maximize it for the future, then you should understand that my wildlife are going to not get maximum production in those acres.
1: Because you have to balance a stocking rate of your timber for it to be maximized. Which, if you're balancing a stocking rate in canopy and so on and so forth, you're not going to have an abundance of sunlight at certain stages of that timber growing period that, isn't, that then is going to produce the understory to produce more forage, more cover, more this and that. Like, you can't max out wildlife but max out timber.
0: Yeah, you can. it doesn't work like that. Like, but So you're trying to figure out how to give a little bit, take a little bit, you know, work for that balance. You p- position yourself over into the open land and say – I want to maximize my wild, my cattle. Well, that means I am looking at as much forage produced as possible, which means that I've got a heavy, lot of fat he- heavy, heavy thash, grass. Heavy yeah. grass, major emphasis on grass, major emphasis on fertilizing and trying to increase grass growth, which is all a negative towards the wildlife, specifically game birds.
1: Yep. So and I'm deer, looking, too. I mean, and, grass is not yeah, great for deer whatsoever. And deer,
0: but way, but more of a problem for these game birds. So you're going, okay, well, uh, I, I uh, and I'm trying to maximize the amount of cattle I can hold, which could mean I have way more cows than a, a normal, like, stocking rate because I'm trying to maximize it. I'm trying to get every dollar I can out of my acreage devoted to cows. So that's where it's like, well, you know, as a cattle farmer, I can understand an approach like that saying this is a business and I'm trying to maximize my business. But as a guy who has a strong emphasis and equal emphasis on wildlife, that is not my approach. I will stay understocked and use it as a management tool, knowing that I'll make money off the cows. I won't put as much input into fertilizing and trying to increase the increase the forage production but i'm going to use it as a disturbance factor still make money on them but still have benefit to the wildlife so i'm going to create diversified pastures that have more broadleafs or forbs and legumes in there than just grass and try to really hammer home cattle production and so for me on my farm (coughs) it's like if it's a south and a west facing slope i'm all but giving up the hope of managing for timber yeah, that's I'm trying just not to, happening. You know, if the, if there's logs to be harvested off that, great. But if not, I'm not, I'm not upset about it because I'm ultimately managing those for historical site um, n- landscape. So going, okay, this is probably more glade or this is probably more woodland. So I'm going to open it up, be more woodland, and know that – I'm going to have a lot of habitat on those slopes. Yeah,
1: because that's the best fit for those acres in relation and relativity to your goals regarding wildlife. Yeah. And, and and I just I know there's a lot of people thinking yeah, they they've heard you know all these different you know sayings and phrases uh, what what's good for turkey is good for deer and th- like there's some truth to that but there also is is just these points if you will. i think of like venn diagrams right where where things can overlap but but if things are overlapped like you then you're not maximizing either one of those no. two things and so at some point we have to be okay with, and we should be okay with, especially if, if we don't have just a singular focus of of whatever this land, of piece of land is going to be uh, achieving for you or your family, your recreational means. You should have maybe a, a diversified approach to it. But, but literally, I, I think it's a very common misconception that if you're telling me that you want to max things out, you're misunderstanding what we're doing here. Yeah if you have 3 3 to 4 different goals and objectives and all of them are including optimize maxing out this 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 and this that's flawed from the beginning you have yeah. an unrealistic approach or understanding of what the land can do but but can we make them better yes but i think honestly from a from a consultant standpoint it is it is wise for us to initially have a conversation of let's let's First, understand what is realistic um, in in the approach. Like, what are we actually going to be able to achieve? And then once we have this realization of that, we're then going to be able to execute on those goals. Instead of just going into this thing saying, well, these are my goals. Even though they're unrealistic and not even achievable, let's just keep going. No, no, no. Let's make sure we have a realistic approach to this and an understanding of, what is achievable so we can then determine that X plan was successful when we start implementing it and seeing results yeah and I know it's probably harping on you know well oh guys we're you know we're, we're I feel like we're splitting hairs here on like maximizing optimizing but it does it it has it has importance right uh, it, go back to the conversation in the podcast we recorded earlier this week regarding regarding food plots there's a there's a lot of folks out there right now because uh, I because we're seeing them as they're coming through and, and asking questions regarding their goals before we're, we're engaging in and work with them but like what are your goals well I want I want to I want to build soil health or I want to um, eat, well that's it I, I want to build soil health okay well you can't maximize the soil health potential without having some detriment effects to wildlife yeah like there's there's not going to be this that wildlife food plot although you're trying to do this regenerative type agriculture there's going to be some time frames periods where that is not conducive to that opening is no longer conducive or as conducive to other food plot acres. Yeah. And, and you have to be okay with realizing that even though you tell me you want you want you want soil health increased and do regenerative agriculture but you really really love turkey hunting. Yeah. Well, those things are probably going to compete.
0: Yep. Yep. And then you look at, uh, let's just say, I want to maximize my native landscape. Well, I hope you don't like food plots because they're not native. Right. And so... There's a, there's
1: a great give and take that I, every time, every time, I I love native habitat. I, it's a st- an immensely strong emphasis to every single plan and every single location that we go to. Yeah. But... Do I recommend food pots? You bet I do.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and to me, so it's just like, uh, so a couple of the other things that come to mind when when I think of this, like when we're talking about, you know, there's some truth to that, and there's some, yeah, it's it's kind of true and kind of not true, depending on how deep we want to unpack it. You said something about um, if it's good for. If it's good for the birds, it's good. I don't remember if you said it before recording, or you said something earlier. But good for the
1: herd, it's good for the bird. Yeah, if you if it's bird. good for the herd, it's good for the bird. Or if, it, or if it's good for the bird, it's good for the herd. I if think. we're managing
0: yeah. for birds, it's going to be beneficial to the deer. Yeah, it's kind of true. But are we talking deer hunting or deer just overall? Because and, and are we talking about one facet of deer habitat
1: or one facet of 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 let's say a growing a woodland? Yeah. Woodland's great for, for, for birds. Um, and it's got a herbaceous understory during the summertime frame. It's going to be wonderful for deer The the, yeah. the forage quality, but is it, is it optimized for deer? No. Cause it's, it's, it's just one aspect of habitat or one aspect of a piece of land that we're trying to manage for all these different game species. And so it's, there's just i think a, a, a step farther if you i guess that's what we're asking for in this podcast as a result of it is for everyone listening to to understand fully what it is that you're asking and trying to achieve and and the reason why again it's not to to split hairs or or be critical but it is if you can understand that that there are sacrifices that there are um timeframes where you have to really understand what it is you're asking then you're going to understand what the la- like the usage of wild turkeys on the landscape yeah. of deer on the landscape because if you're asking of something that's not possible then you're then you're not understanding the species that you're pursuing or you're managing for yeah and that's where this this conversation kind of comes from cuz like I, I the last thing i want you to do is be pouring tons of time tons of money into this but really not even understanding that you you can't max out a property for turkeys and you can't max out a property the same property
0: for deer if a guy told me he wanted to he owned a property a client hired us to consult and he said i could give a care less about a whitetail deer all i want to do is manage for turkeys that farm will not be set up in any way shape or form like a farmer a guy says my purpose is trophy bucks. Absolutely.
1: It will have
0: a strong emphasis on the native landscape, but it will not be set up in the same way. Yes. And and one quick example of that is when we're managing the timber for turkeys versus managing the timber for deer, it does not look the same. No. And, and, different
1: and techniques sure you're thinning and sure you're burning exactly it, that's the same but the way i do it yes. is different the timing the intervals yes the the techniques of how you reduce the canopy what are you using girdle spray hack and squirt felling um, is there would there even be necessary for a bedding thicket to be there and i would say bedding thicket no you don't need that i don't that need that type a hinge of structure for turkeys exactly but, but could I go in and have – could I go in and, and if, let's say, there's log value on there, could I go in, especially from a pine management standpoint, and
0: have some clear cuts throughout it and manage it with fire? Absolutely.
1: thousand percent I would do that for turkeys. My, my
0: betting tickets, if it was for turkeys and not deer, my betting tickets would, would, in turn, instead of cutting everything down and trying to create this big, messy area, would be like, I'm going to kill every tree in this circle. Yeah. This this one acre circle, I'm going to kill every single tree, or I'm going to let a logger come in here. I'm going to come in here and cut wood out of here. All I'm doing is creating a meadow that's Wild going to see opening. fire every two every two years. Yep, I'm or, going to disc or around
1: it or, or backpack <coughs> blow around it and burn it, and then we're just going to walk away.
0: And I'm going to do that across the farm. A lot, a lot of And my food places. plots are going to be way more weedy. There's a deer standing down there drinking out of the lake. I um, would
1: also, my edge feathering would look totally different,
0: too. Oh, it'd be way more killing trees standing rather than heavy loads along the edge. Yes,
1: I would have a few treetops on the ground for some yep. nesting opportunities, but I would not be, I would have, like you said, way more dead trees standing, and I would then have, most likely, step in off a, a, an opening. Um, I would be disking a lot more from a turkey standpoint.
0: I, then I would be a deer standpoint and I would be bending over backwards trying to figure out a way to get cows in there on my open landscape to create that if I had big enough areas sure. Brood sure management throughout during the summer, the summer. <coughs> yep, yep yep and, and I, I mean that's the difference and it, at the same time though deer would benefit from that but it would be harder to pinpoint an older age class buck to thousand well, percent it wouldn't be maximized for deer <laughs> exactly. I think I think the <coughs> amount of
1: summertime usage you would have on a property that that was managed specifically exclusively for a wild turkey you would have amazing summertime amazing fawning but then yeah. dead of winter they're gonna yeah. where's the dense cover you don't have it, and that's okay if their goals <coughs> are for wild turkeys but if it's for this combination and so we we just have to be very understood of what it is you're trying to achieve and make sure that you know essentially what it is that you're asking for and I think that most people most people have an understanding that I I want both deer and turkey I don't want to I don't want to disregard <laughs> any other animals but I, I think this comes becomes very pertinent to timber management because very pertinent to the the amount of prescribed fire that you're that you're using and then it also is very important to the usage of the openings that are on the property how much food plot acres need to be there from attracting on a deer standpoint versus how many areas of herbaceous broadleaf plant communities or wildlife openings would be there from a turkey standpoint so balancing all that back out uh we we just have to be precise and what it is that we're asking for, and understand it, because two things in a recreational property aren't going to be maximized or, or or optimized to their be fullest very hard. point.
0: Yep. hmm And then uh, another one to me, another phrase you year. So we use the "what's good for the bird is good for the herd." Um, another one was, uh, you can't have. It's impossible to – basically, you can't maximize timber and still have good wildlife, or you can't manage for wildlife and still have timber potential. And it's like, ah, I understand what you're saying if you say that you're expecting closed canopy hardwoods that you're managing in the traditional management systems. But at the same time, I still feel like you can have – especially hardwoods. You hear a lot of times where it's like hardwoods aren't the best, and you need to – so it's like, okay – Yes, you can manage and have timber income, but it won't be maximized. Well, well and oh. and so like on my farm, <clears throat> north slopes and east slopes are typically more forest and are typically more in the red oak variety and and of course other oak variety. And it's like, okay, I'm going to manage those so they are a little bit more closed canopy. They are a little bit more summertime early fall bedding those cool areas and i'll probably be able to grow timber on those so i'm not going to go in and annihilate that and try to create a a big massive woodland or lean more towards a savanna on the north slopes and east slopes because i'm not that that's not what the historical site index is so i can still have some timber income still have some habitat wildlife use but they're neither one maximized I had a good thought and I lost it. Maximizing for small game. Let's just say I'm I really am trying to maximize for rabbits. Mm-hmm. It it would be the biggest briar patch you ever saw. I remember now. Okay, keep going. Anyway, so I won't. I don't want you to lose that thought again. <laughs> so, um, it would be the biggest field of briars there ever was. Yeah. With a few with a few little woody headquarters. But it would not be maximized for turkeys in the least bit. No, no, it would not. So that's just another example, but there you go. Okay, so in the south, I think a
1: lot of people are so used to having Mm. the benefit, like from a pine management standpoint, Mm. um, they are so comfortable and used to expecting revenue to come from management of pines. And so many people are Mm. managing pines from the standpoint of, their are typical pre-commercial thinnings. Then they're, they're coming back in and, and burning and maybe do some herbicide applications underneath. And then managers, um, managers. Man. <laughs> we got a podcast now playing in the truck with. well Bronson? <laughs> 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 Shout out to you. Um, so they're, they're, they're going through the motions of, of managing the, the pines. but But they honestly, even though that there are wildlife utilizing the pines, it is so. They're so used to. the 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 wildlife are have adapted to the pine management that I honestly believe a lot of people in the South have underestimated their potential of their property because it's so heavily managed in a pine production type of state mm-hmm. that they don't they don't it's almost like they don't remember the good old days when. Not all this was in pines, and not everything was being managed the exact same way. Yes, yeah. deer are adaptable to it, but, but what would happen if all those pines were gone and you completely restarted? I can tell you what would happen. It would be way more wildlife-friendly than just the typical pine management s- scenario. But, but in that, air, in that, in that uh, mindset and in that, that practice of managing a landscape in that way, you're trying to maximize timber revenue but you, you aren't even aware yet that that, that your wildlife have suffered so much. It's al- it's almost like in that scenario you don't know how much you're actually giving up. Yeah, because you're you're hunting deer that are that, that that are there, but again, they're just they're not maximized. And so when we balance this stuff back out, we have to know the degree of sacrifice that we're giving to. When we finally get to the point through this podcast that we're like, okay, I guess. We can't maximize everything. Then how do we balance out that sacrifice? What are you really willing to give up in this overall new mindset management? And and you guys are willing to give up some revenue from the cattle, right? Yeah. And you're also willing to give up revenue. Let's say it was an equal split of uh, south and west facing slope that you had to north and east facing slope. You're essentially in your plan – Mentally giving up, or 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 in the future giving up timber revenue on half of the farm. Yeah. Now, will you cut some trees on there occasionally? Probably on those south and west facing slopes, but it's not at all in any way, shape, or form maximized. And, but I I don't think that people really weigh that out from a from a sacrificing standpoint of like, okay, I I am consciously when I go forward with this. Doing X and that's going to be my, my 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 result, and I'm willing to do that for the benefit of turkeys and deer yeah. or rabbits and bobwhite quail.
0: Yeah, for sure. It, it, another example: remove the wildlife, cattle farmer, timber farm. If I'm maximizing my cattle, I'm dozing out lots of acres on the family farm to increase pasture, increase grass, mm-hmm. which is lowering the potential of any. Obviously, it's removing that. For any future timber harvesting. Yeah. I could do that easily because we have lots of acres that's flat that's right adjacent to pastures. But I'm not going to.
1: Still very grazeable yeah. acreage, right?
0: Yeah. And and <laughs> uh, to me, another good example would be like for, for all the married guys out there. You're trying to maximize your hunting. You're going to shift into that somebody there's give and and there's take your wife is sacrificing for you because you want to hunt all the time yes same thing in this type of management where it's like there's give and take it's not just completely go to the right side knowing that the left side's not losing i would say this in another
1: illustration those who are very career oriented and very family oriented too yeah if you were a hundred percent in your career you're not 100 percent in your family. Yep. Right. So, like, you you have to have the the balance, that give and take. So, take that same idea from the personal life and and kind of apply it to now the way that you look at managing a property. Say, okay, here's some balance, here's some give and take. I can have above average because average, like the bar's low. I think for and people don't realize that the bar's low from from where most properties are starting at. Right. Yep. The bar's low, guys. But we can have great increases for both deer and turkey. And you would sit back and say, because your your average or your, your um, initial observations are so low, you'd say, I've maximized both. No, you haven't. You've just increased both. Both are good and way better than what they were, but they're just far above average because the bar was set so low initially. I yeah. think that's honestly where some of this misunderstanding kind of comes from where it's like you yeah. can see success like like paul grindstaff would you say despite the good things that he's doing and despite the the three hen the four hens that we know have got pults right now living on his property would you say that property is in any way shape or form maximized for turkey production no no it's too dense right now because
0: there's big open areas that are in perennial clover which are great for, you know, they can be good bugging opportunities, but they're a little too thick for polts. Even though we've seen poults there, it's just like it's not 100%.
1: And you, you would have thinned the timber differently, though, too.
0: Yeah, oh, totally. It would have been way more hack and squirt than it would have been. Right, but that doesn't dry. mean that
1: the turkeys are, are, are not utilizing it. Right, they're, they're benefiting from they're just
0: this. it's just not
1: maximized though. It's
0: just it. not maximized. That's where, like, so another example is like, okay, crop ground. Uh, obviously, if we look at these fields of corn that we're looking at, you know, we can say there's brooding opportunities out there. A few weeds. There's bare ground. It's better than a than a smooth rom hay field, or a disc field, or a chisel plowed field right now, or a, a field of the what? wheat stubble we just passed. That the they we, cut the, for yeah, straw. The thick wheat. Yeah, it, it's it's better, but it's not maximized. Now they're trying to maximize it for corn. So that means everything else suffers <coughs> and doesn't Correct. get maximized. But or, or from a from a from a hay standpoint, we could say, well, smooth brome, it's not maximizing anything. It's but let's shift over into this one. Why we love alfalfa hay because we can get high quality hay, but we can also get really high quality forage for wildlife. Oh yeah, and and bugging opportunities for turkeys. For sure. So it's kind of like that's when we shift into something. we go woo. That outside of the maintenance that's involved, outside of having to find somebody who can cut it every twenty-eight days, we're looking at something here that's it checks a lot of boxes. Mm-hmm. That's why we love it. Yeah. It's, it's it's a
1: it's a big win-win, but it's yeah. not maximized for everything. Because if I was maximizing it from a cattle hay standpoint, I would have grasses mixed with that alfalfa, yeah. right? Yeah. Or, or go go to a um, a guy who is planting. Uh, both corn and soybeans in a same blend for, for late-season food. Is the amount of corn per acre going to be maximized the amount of corn that he could produce? No. No. If he just did solely corn, no, because there's beans there. Yep. But, but is, is he going to have the attraction of deer in the summertime to that food plot um, if he plants straight corn? No. Is he going to have both beans and corn in that area? Come fall if you just plant soybean no like there's a give and take you don't have the same planting rates because you want both you don't plant full rates of both in the field that's just not how yeah. it works and if you tried to go and say well I just split those two acres in half and I would do you know half soybeans or one acre soybeans one acre corn the one acre soybeans would be demolished yeah like it, it's just it's just life it's just the scenario but we have to understand really what it is we're talking about. And I think grasp where the bar is and realize we can make some, some really solid improvements that makes everybody happy. But at yeah. the end of the day, these, these things that have increased, they haven't been maximized.
0: To me, it's like imagine these bar, the bar graph, if you will, where it's like if something's 100%, there's like four of them. If something's at 100 then whatever's next to it has to go to 25 and if something else is at 75, the other thing could be at 50. Mm-hmm. And so the magic and what we really try to do in managing for turkeys and deer and maybe some timber income is trying to get everything in that sweet spot of 75 or 80 to 60. And it's like
1: all of that yeah, is, and, is and, very and, and productive. And relative to the landowner's goal. But I yeah. think I think the, the large majority of those listening or people we have worked with fall into that exact scenario that you just said. Not that many, honestly, come to Land and Legacy, or probably that listen to Land and Legacy, and say, "I only care about deer."
0: Yeah. No.
1: I've had a few say
0: it, and after a few years, they don't say it. Or
1: anymore. not, or or maybe not even say it, but they just they don't realize exactly what they said. Yeah. And then as you as you begin working with them, right, it ch- it does change it more relatively rapidly. Yeah. Um, because they're like, oh wow, that that really that didn't accurately or 100% describe me necessarily. Um, yep. But most times, yes, over time as I begin to work the land, manage the land, um, you've got a couple of great cases. There's one I'm thinking of um, in, in Ohio. It's just like transformation, not only of the property, showed them transformation in their own on their own brain of what was important to them.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I, I think uh, the maximizing to me is – it's just a, a understanding perspective. I mean, perspective yes. is a huge thing. We just have to have it. Understanding that, you know, if you're going to try to fully commit to something, then something else has to give.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. And, and trying to balance. That's where I really feel like we thrive is trying to balance really good deer hunting. And, and this is where I think the magic happens in that sweet spot of going, if I have 50-acre woodlot and going, I want – I want to really try to increase deer hunting and deer observations and, and really good deer health, But I also want turkeys as going, okay, we need to define bedding, but I'm not gonna, and we're going to use some hinge cutting. We're going to use some chop and drop. But we're not going to do that across the entire area. Mm-hmm. We're going to use different techniques over that. We're still going to burn. Maybe we're going to avoid burning the bedding thicket every two years. So we're going to get really good turkey population, but we're also going to have really good deer population and health but we're also going to define bedding and travel corridors and so trying to find that lining up the pieces of the puzzle to make that magical um that's where i feel like we really shine and that's where we really try to strive because many of our landowners are like eh, i me. love butterflies i like birds i like deer i really get into deer hunting but i also like turkey hunting I, I, i'd love to shoot I, a boot I, I wouldn't <laughs> mind if we had a timber harvest mm-hmm. okay well, we just checked all the boxes, so I hope we're not committed to one solely yeah. um, in, in our it, management. Because we can achieve all of those. Yeah. We can. We can
1: achieve increases and in opportunities <laughs> and observations <laughs> and success, harvesting of all of that if we choose to. Yeah. So, man, I think that was a great discussion. Great yeah. discussion. Appreciate you obviously being on here. Didn't really have a choice because we were riding in the truck together, but um, yeah. it was fun. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening yourself. And we will catch you here next week.